You're listening to 2, 5, and 10, your source for bullshit-free NHL news, analysis, and insights. Now, here are your hosts, Kevin Naughton and Ben Stewart. Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 68 of 2, 5, and 10. Another one of those weeks, Benny, in the uh, NHL where things kind of started getting busy. We got a, a nice little spicy episode for everybody. Yeah, we'll talk about, uh, well, recap the Battle of Alberta from last week. I know we spent we have spent a lot of time talking about the Flames and Oilers these last two or three episodes, but ended up being well worth it. Uh, we'll dive into some talk about the Buffalo Sabres, uh, just kind of spurred by a fan rant on local sports radio. And then we got a Bruins and Rangers weekend review on picks. So uh, looking forward to it. I am tired from trying to figure out the Iowa caucus. And so I might be sleepwalking a little bit through this. I, uh, I didn't watch it. I, I kind of heard about it this morning at work. Like in the morning, everyone just kind of sits down and goes through a little merry round of bullshit. But uh, one thing <laughs> that did came up, uh, well, did come up. Jesus Christ. I guess I, I feel like I'm in this Iowa caucus thing was um, <laughs> we started talking about uh, the guy, what was it, Howard Dean, who did the thing. And, and we're, we're going to go yeah, <laughs> And it was like one of the funniest things. And if you like type it into YouTube, the first video that pops up is how that scream cost him the election. Because up until that point, yep. he was in the lead. And it's like. He was your favorite. Like, can you blame a guy for being like excited? I mean, I guess apparently you can, but I'm, I'm just saying thing, it's like, wow. Well, with that, the thing was the audio of how he appeared on TV made him look much worse than how he came off in person because you can't hear yourself above the crowd and a crowd was screaming. So he's screaming with the crowd, but the TV cameras don't pick up the crowd. So it's, it was essentially just him screaming at nothing. And everybody was like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? Meanwhile, if you're really in person, nothing was weird about it. So that's an that's an example of uh, TV kind of fucking up a political campaign. Uh, one question, because I mean, now that we're on it, you know, I I am not the politician. I am not the political uh, specialist here, but from a uh, sales and marketing point of view, do you think if he had that rant and was on the happy Gilmore putter and like happy does <laughs> on the green where he spanks it and he runs around. Like, do you think that would have projected more votes or uh, I'm just curious. I think anything that helps you relate to the common man is good. And I don't think anybody, especially all the guys out there cannot relate to fucking around on a golf course. So, so he would have been in all he needed was a golf club and had to just spank it going around. That's yeah. Just ride around a golf ruined it absolutely ruined it um all right yeah let's jump into the battle of alberta i'm excited to hear your take on this i uh i was at a wedding on saturday night but there was also the uh thursday night part of it but uh, i got the text messages from you about all hell breaking <laughs> loose and i was excited in the cabin boy 
Yeah, I mean, Thursday night, I think you and I both kind of figured that that wasn't going to be the heavyweight matchup that everybody was expecting because they're going to be playing again two nights later. Um, we did have the Cassian and Kachuk fight. Uh, I give props to Kachuk because he wanted to go with Cassian even earlier in the game. Uh, so I do respect him for finally manning up and doing that. So they had to go. The most unexpected fight probably of both teams. You had Monaghan and uh, Nugent Hopkins go at it. That was, I think that was Monaghan's first career fight and only the third for Nugent Hopkins. So if you had that in your pool, you won some major bucks this past week. But the main event was Saturday. I knew you were away, so I was watching the game and getting ready to text you updates. We had a couple of scrums here and there and then a big fight where Kachuk ended up dropping it with Bear. The defense went on Edmonton. Giordano was in it. Darnell Nurse got involved a little, little bit. And then the goalies, Maddox Center Ice, Cam Talbot, Mike Smith, they played for the opposite team last year, not playing for the opposite team this year, and they ended up fighting each other. I think. What do you think? Smith got the, the bout by points, or do you think uh, it was kind of a draw? No, I give it to Smitty, uh, but at the same time, I mean, Smitty's a big dude. Like, Cam Talbot's not really yeah, that big of a guy, but the best part about it is, I, I believe I sent it to you, there, there's a, someone took a picture of Darnell Nurse in the crease, and he's pointing to center ice for Talbot yep, to go fight right, Smitty, yeah. which is awesome. I mean, hey, he's waiting for you. And then you. Talbot went and did it, so. Yeah, I mean, obviously he didn't really have to be persuaded that much. Go get him, big boy, and th- that was it. Yeah, I mean, I give Talbot credit for doing that. Um, also, I mean, what else are you going to expect when you're going to start throwing haymakers in the crease and then behind a net as a goaltender, to be, especially a goaltender like Smith? And that's the reason why last week when we talked, I said if I'm the Oilers, I start Smith in both, both games because he's a guy that's very willing to drop the gloves and kind of go. So... Ended up working out that way. Um, both games, besides the tension and the fighting, were very entertaining. Uh, Thursday was a close one. On uh, Saturday, Edmonton blew out Calgary as much as you can blow out a team in the National Hockey League. All I know is I need a first-round seven-game series between these two come April. Uh, for the NHL, I don't know what better marketing tool they need. Uh these two in the springtime would be absolute fireworks. And not to mention, they also have one more game left this year in the season series. So, and I think that's the last weekend of the season. Yeah, I believe it's like April 4th or something. So, yeah, talk about closing out the season with a possible bang-bang again. And don't forget, Riddich with the uh, bat flip after the shootout winner on Thursday, which kind of pissed off Edmonton a little bit. So everybody was getting involved, and... It kind of reminds me, if you think back a few years, to the Penguins and Flyers when they met in the playoffs back-to-back years, just a brawl that they had both years. And the tension between Calgary and Edmonton, I think, is even more amplified. So if it does work out where they meet in the first round of the playoffs, I know it's not going to be as crazy as a regular season matchup might be, but there's a lot of potential for just back and forth fourth games, power plays because of, uh, you know, misconducts and things like that, some fights. And, and, I mean, deep down, as a core hockey fan, that's all you're really asking for in the playoff series. Um, some good hockey, some good physical hockey, 
and you get to see McDavid in the playoffs. So um, I hope that happens. Do you think the NHL is relieved that there was nothing that was worth a suspension uh, in these past two games? Yes, I think the NHL is very relieved (laughs) because tensions were very high going in there. I do have a question for you because I thought about this as it was happening. So you see Kachuk on the opening draw of that first game asking Zach Cassian to go. Cassian says, not right now. He wanted to do it on his own terms. So then when they end up having that fight at the end of the first, you can see the conversation. Now I think about the gamesmanship part of it. And, you know, Cassian says he won't do it on his own terms. With that being said, is that a two-way street? Because Kachuk goes to answer that bell the first time. You say no. And then there at the end of the first, when it actually happens, say Kachuk said, no, I'm not fighting you. I gave you a chance. Like, like, what do you think happens there? Like, do you think Cassian loses it? Because I think that's what it would have been. Like, hey, you had your chance. You said you want to do it on your own terms. No, well, now I'm playing hockey, so too bad. Yeah, I think Cassian kind of displayed that because Olkachuk, when it comes to the code of the game, is he's got an offer because he didn't drop him the last time. And that's what caused all this uh, friction and fisticuff. So he did his job. And if you're Cassian and you were pissed off the last game that he's going to go and you're basically threatening physical violence the next time you see Chuck and then he mans up and does it and you say no because you want to keep him waiting and keep him guessing like he said after the game, he's under no obligation to drop it again. So he could have been in a situation where Chuck fulfilled his coldly duty and then Cassian was the one that fucked up and then Cassian when he was finally ready to go, would have been pissed at Kachuk for not doing it on his terms and would have started a whole other melee, especially when you look at set, them playing again on Saturday night. So Cassian's just lucky that Kachuk still ended up going with him. It was a clean fight. Danny Chill's lucky that Kachuk decided to go with him because if Kachuk said no, which was would have been well within his right, I think it would have even prolonged this whole situation into the next game. So good on Kachuk for finally... Putting the water under the bridge, if you will, with this whole situation. But after Saturday night, like I said, April needs to happen. McDavid needs to be in the playoffs, which it looks like it should happen unless something kind of drastic happens uh, in the Pacific Division. And I don't think there'd be any better of a matchup in the first round than Calgary and Edmonton this year. Give the people what they want. I think that series right there would be insane. One other thing just regarding these two teams is, are you surprised as to how active these guys have been in the media? Like, not very normal for hockey players at all, but Zach Cassian in the media media actually applauding Matthew Kachuk for the fight, which, I mean, the, he, he should ju- just due to the size advantage and everything leading up to it. But Leon Dreisaitl not happy with Riddich after the stick flip. Yep and then ends up lighting them up like Calgary wins that first game again in a shootout. And it seems like these tight games, Calgary has their number. And then for something like just kind of fall off the wagon or a blowout type way, Edmonton has their number. So it's like, you could easily see this going, (coughs) excuse me, like seven games in the springtime. If this is the matchup of 
you know, Calgary edging these guys out four to three in a series just because it ended up being a close game and Edmonton mm-hmm. couldn't keep up with them. No, agreed. And I kind of like the openness when it comes to talking to the media, as long as it doesn't cross a line, like the throwback to Avery talking about sloppy seconds. Uh, just because a lot of guys around the sport are just either very quiet or just full of cliches. You don't get a lot out of them. The culture around NHL doesn't usually foster an environment for just being open and kind of letting loose a little bit. So I was happy to see that there. I just think if the sport had a little bit more of that, not necessarily like what Cassian did uh, where he ragdolled Kachuk and purposely headshotting guys or just stage fighting. I think that stage fighting is ridiculous at this point in time. But just the passion of it. It doesn't even need to be fighting. Just hard hits, good physical play, and offensive hockey like you had on Saturday night. That's the best of the sport right now. And if that happens more often, you're going to get more focus and more eyes on the sport in a game. And that's what the NHL should be after here. Agreed. Yeah, the, the NHL needs to put this in the limelight especially if they get that matchup because if they get that matchup you they already put playoff hockey on a different pedestal like uh, i'll talk to people and they'll be like oh what's your favorite sport and they'll say football and you say well what's your favorite thing to watch and they'll go playoff hockey just because it's that much of a different breed so if they can get the hatred already there and then this going into the playoffs my god uh, I, I need like a Jim Ross. It'll be a slobber knocker. Like just, oh yeah, it'll be insane. As God is my witness, he is broken in half. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, like I said, if we get that in a playoffs, first, second round, I don't care. I just want to see it. Uh, but I feel like we should transition to this topic on a Sabres when we're talking about the idea of playoffs or quote unquote not making the playoffs here. Um, I'm going to try and kind of edit in the audio uh, behind the whole reason why we're talking about the Sabres here. I know we don't spend a lot of time on Buffalo, but there is a local radio talk show, a sports radio talk show, and a Sabres fan called in and just had a pretty epic rant just bitching about what's been going on with the Sabres, with not even just the on-ice product, just the off-ice, with uh, the alumni events, the arena itself, and kind of the MIA owners with the uh, Pagulias, so... Before I kind of go into it a little bit, I was, I'm was i curious on your thoughts. I sent you the audio uh, from that phone call, and I know before the season started and early on in the season, we were talking about, is this in, when the Sabres finally turn a page with Kruger as a new coach? They brought in some more offensive guys to surround Eichel, and they're right back to where they are right now. They're, if the season ended today, they're drafting in a top 10 again. Um, so I'm just curious on your thoughts and kind of what's going on with the Sabres this year. I wish I could tell you, I I had this team projected very high. One of those things I know we always do our preseason predictions and on paper, this team looks good. But like you said, it it seems to be that merry-go-round that's in Buffalo. New coach, new GM, new players, then same result. Like, I I don't know. They bring Marcus Johansson in on that deal. Uh, I don't think it was the best deal, but now they're kind of stuck with it. Bring in VC. They bring in Sherry for scoring. Not really there. And then the other thing you look at is, at least with the forward group, I'll get to the decor after. But 
Michael Froley currently on that roster, unrestricted at the end of the year. Connor Sherry, Jimmy Vesey, both unrestricted at the end of the year. Zeg McSkirbinson's unrestricted. Johan Larson also unrestricted. That is six guys up front that could be gone. They're a little scary. And then you have three RFAs. Then you go to the back end, and yet again, I know we play in the on-paper game, but on paper, this doesn't seem like that bad of, of a core. You have Rasmus Ristolainen, and you have Zach Bogosian for that meet. You got Colin Miller, Brandon Montour, Jake McCabe, Rasmus Dahlin, Henry Yokiharu. Like, I don't know as to why they're underperforming. The defensive core, the average of this team on the D end is 24 and a half years old. And if you get rid of Zach Bogosian, he's unrestricted at the end of the year. That average goes even lower. I mean, I think Botterill has something to grow with here. But at the same time, you can't tell me that having Carter Hutton as your starting goalie, and I love Carter Hutton, is going to be something that's going to propel you somewhere else. I know at the same time there are some people on IR, Linus Olmark, Kylock Poso, what is it? Is it just the city of Buffalo that makes people not want to do it? Like the winners there, like they're cold. Do you get three feet of snow? Like what is it? Is it, have they catered to Jack Eichel too much? And maybe he's repelling guys to play differently. Like obviously he's playing out of his mind. He's carrying that team, but is it him? What is it? Like, I don't know. I, I wish yeah. I could tell you. I have no idea. Yeah, like you said, it doesn't matter. It doesn't seem to matter who's there. Uh, they've gone through Pat LaFontaine as the president. Um, they're on like the second or third GM in the last in the last decade. They're chewing through coaches ever since they let go of Lindy Ruff. And I, I'll get to Lindy Ruff when we talk about the Rangers we can review here. But I, it's just, I don't think there's a clear, first of all, message coming down from management in terms of what route they're going in terms of team identity and play and uh, roster identity. I think they overestimated a lot of talent that they thought was going to help them develop even more. Jimmy VC is not a first-line winger. They brought him in to be a first-line winger. He has 14 points on a year in 48 games. Marcus Johansson was always going to be miscast as a second-line center. He's more of a top-six, top-nine winger at this point that can fill in that center. They put him in a spot where he's not going to succeed. Casey Middleset in the minors. I know he's still only 21 years old, but that's a big hole in the roster. Uh, Connor Sheary, he needs a playmaker to play well. And I know he's getting a lot of time. At least he's the last few games, he's getting time of Jack Eichel now. Um, but that's out of necessity. This entire season, he's playing with Johansson when he's healthy. Middlestat, he wasn't producing. Like I don't know what else you can do with that guy. He was playing with Curtis, Curtis Lazar for a little bit. Like You're not going to get production out of Connor Sheary playing with those guys. And it's just weird cap management. Like you said, they have a bunch of forwards that are free agents this offseason, but usually a team like Buffalo in a position they're in would look to trade some of these guys for draft capital, either picks or maybe even a prospect. Who's trading anything for these guys? Are you giving up anything for Jimmy VC? I'm not. Gergensen's, I'm not. I'm not even, I'm not trading anything for a for leak. Absolutely not. 
and I'm not taking on a contract with Johansson if even if Buffalo wanted to move him. So it's just the roster is the mismatch of overestimated talent and just young guys like Middlesat that might not be ready yet. And the big thing for me is their system. Like you can understand the last few years, they were trying to get out of some contracts. Kyle Oposo contract, for example, Zach Rogosian, guys like that. They haven't rebuilt the farm system either. Their farm system since last summer has been consistently ranked in the bottom half of the league. So it's not like there's a bunch of young talent ready to infuse this roster starting next season that's going to help them turn the corner either. And you're not going to get a lot of free agents to go to Buffalo. Like It's consistently ranked up there along with cities like Ottawa and Winnipeg and Edmonton as the least desirable for free agency. So you either got to do it through the draft or trades. The draft hasn't worked out too well in terms of restocking the system. And I don't trust Bodgeville at all in terms of making trades. Um, and the last thing is fans in Buffalo are very dedicated. Um, you can see what the years when they had Briere and Jury. Um, they made a few runs there. Great market. But after a handful of years of this, they are now ranked 25th in attendance in the National Hockey League. They fill out the arena to only 89% of capacity. Luxury boxes are empty, so that's going to start hurting the bottom line in terms of what the owners can start spending. And the fans have basically given up at this point. So if I'm the owners here and actually give a shit about you know, being a winner and not so much you know, the business side of it, I need to let. I need to bring in a GM, or uh, I need to bring in a first of all, first of all, an outside president that actually knows what the fuck he's doing, and that's not just the it's uh, Sabres organizational face like Pat Lafontaine. And I need a GM that's going to set the direction of the franchise and be somebody that commands the room, like just sets the tone. And Bushel is not that. I don't know who's out who's out there. I keep coming back to a guy like Mike Gillis, uh, former Vancouver Canucks GM. I just, there's not much that you can go on here in terms of if you're a Sabres fan and you can tell by the attendance, oh, we're almost there. And a lot of us, I had them competing for the second wild card spot this year to make the playoffs. It just hasn't been there. I don't know what they do. So the rant was just kind of spurred this topic for us because I think we probably touched on this uh, in the offseason. But it's just disappointing for a market like Buffalo, man. I'm just happy that that guy ended up calling in and bringing this to our attention because (laughs) obviously I I get the fan standpoint of it where, you know, they, they get aggravated, they get frustrated, but this team in general is very young and for them to not even be able to perform up to even a little bit of their projections is scary. And they just brought Kruger in this year, and I mean, I've heard great things about Ralph Kruger, and he's coming in to completely change that environment that was currently there in Buffalo, making it a different, a winning culture. But with the possibility of this much of a roster turnaround at the end of the year, how difficult is it for him to try to build a winning culture? Like, you got nothing. All right, boys, it's going to be Jack Eichel and Rasmus Dahlin and whoever else wants to play for us. That's it. Yeah. Well, so the thing is, if you fire a botch this summer, usually a GM and a team president 
is going to want to bring in our own head coach. And if you're going to do it, if you're going to let go of Kruger, through really, I don't think, any fault of his own, because even though they've been struggling for a significant portion of this season, there's been no kind of player chirps or uprising or media leaks about how they're unhappy with Kruger. And that says something to kind of the environment he's built. But if you're the Sabres, if you're letting go to GM and a GM doesn't want to work with Kruger, you have to do it this summer. Because with that turnover that you mentioned, all those guys that he coached, a lot of the guys might be out. So then bringing a new guy to implement a new system won't be as jarring because a lot of the guys are going to be new to the room. So it's going to be a make-or-break summer. Trust me, I know I said they should not go after guys that have ties to the franchise like the Oilers used to do for years and years. I can see Chris Jury getting a phone call to be GM here. I could also see Jury if the Rangers make him available. One other thing, though, about Kruger is this. This is the best Jack Eichel we've seen thus far. I don't think you're ever going to get, to be honest. But with that, though, this is the best guy you've had with that lineup. I don't think you can take Kruger out. I don't. At least not right now. Yeah, I mean, he's getting the best out of Eichel. I don't know if it's because Eichel's just maturing and developing even, even more or if it's just a combination of the two. But Eichel... If he wants Kruger to stay, Kruger's going to stay. And they, then they're just going to have to find a GM that is willing to work with a guy like Kruger, which is why I think Gillis might be a good fit, because he's kind of followed the same path as Kruger has these last few years. After he left Vancouver, he hasn't taken another job in a league. He's kind of traveled around the country, traveled around the world, kind of researched and studied different managing techniques and uh, you know team-building techniques and used use that to kind of evaluate his own performance in Vancouver. And that kind of reminds me of what Kruger did after going to soccer in Europe and everything. So I think they're kind of two similarly mind guys with similar mindsets that might be able to connect there if they want to keep Kruger around. That's very interesting too. Sometimes what a, you know, a nice little cleanse will, will bring you back a new man. <laughs> and Gillis is good in Vancouver. I know they didn't end up getting over the hump and winning the Stanley Cup there, but he put some pretty monster teams together. He did very. He did put a lot of teams with them. So yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah. So I guess we'll guess we'll stay within the Atlantic Division. We'll start the Bruins and Rangers weekly review. You can kick that off. I know we didn't do it last week because of the two bye weeks our teams had, but a lot going on. I know had a nice win up in Minnesota. You guys are playing tonight as well. So uh, what's been going on? Uh, I just want to touch on one thing. We we are playing right now, playing Vancouver. When I came down here, it was one nothing Bruins. The second was about to start. Let me see if I get an update. But um, you end up following guys like on Facebook and on Twitter, and you know, like fellow Bruins guys throughout like fan groups and shit like that. I have this one guy who's up there and. He seems like an okay guy. I'm not going to say his name or his little thing that he has going. But this guy, he's doing like, you know, talking to people, like a Facebook Live. And he's like, oh, yeah, this is such a big rivalry. Remember, we got that cup from them in, in 2011. Dude, it's been nine fucking years. Like the only rivalry was that seven game series. And then the year after when we had that first game in Boston, all that happened 
after that, like yep. there, there's not too many people that are remaining. So for you and your rivalry, please shove it. I, I just can't. Uh, for a team we played, Sedins are gone. Burrows is gone. Like, like Lomongo is gone. The, the fucking we play the team twice a year. Big fucking rivalry. Um. Yeah. We came back Friday night after our break. Uh, played in Winnipeg, and you want to talk about a great game? My God, four fights that game. Uh, everybody sticking up for teammates. Everybody answering the bell. There was a couple of hits that. First, it was a Charlie McAvoy hit. He blew up Nicholas Ehlers, and uh, I, I forget who came in and challenged him. Charlie dropped the gloves. Uh, needs to be better at fighting. I, I don't want him fighting all the time, but he, he can't keep getting bundled when he fights. Uh, <laughs> Brad Marchand takes a hit from Ehlers. He didn't like it. Uh, Ehlers actually came over and challenged him. And listen, Nicholas Ehlers, this is the NHL. You want to go and challenge people? There is a severe chance that if you challenge somebody, even if you don't think they're going to drop the gloves, they're going to go. They're going to tag you. And Marshy did exactly that. So, hats off there, Carson Kuhlman, uh, I believe it was his first career NHL fight. He hits a guy in the neutral zone. Lucas Spiza, you know, pointed at him the whole way through. Stepped up. They have a fight. Uh, Brandon Carlo, he had a fight after someone hit Charlie Coyle. So four fights on Friday night. This comes to one of my points. I just wanted to reiterate that. This team needs to be tougher. They can't fight. Blah, blah, blah. Listen, these guys are sticking up for teammates. They had a great game. Hard fucking. We won the game along with four fights. Guys who usually don't fight fighting. I don't think we need to be tougher. I just think we need to stick together and stay on the course. With that. One guy who I have noticed completely is Brandon Carlo. He has taken his game to a whole nother level. For a guy who is, for the most part, a stay-at-home defenseman, he is locking down that D-end, but he is jumping into plays now. He He's taking shots from the point. He looks very comfortable. He's starting to play with a little bit of grit, some toughness, uh, the checking, the fights he's been getting into. If Brandon Carlo can stay on this course with his size to A, be able to be that physical force, but then to also jump into plays, he is going to be a force in this National Hockey League. I think it's only going to be his coming out party last summer, the his playoffs, uh, his, his actual first playoffs, because every other time we got to him, he was hurt. So his first NHL playoffs was... Uh, a sight to see, especially for a young kid like that. I, I think he's been by far one of our best players, maybe our seventh player award winner. So we'll see what happens. Uh, just check the score. Uh, end of two, currently two nothing Boston. And th- that's all I got to say about that. Tuca's back. Uh, played a great game in Winnipeg. We played great in Minnesota. I mean, we just completely dummied them, so I don't really need to go into details about that game, but. Uh, I like where the guys are after the break. I like the way they've come back. So we'll see what the rest of the season holds for us. Yeah, it seems like you guys are doing just enough to keep Tampa Bay at arm's length for the division lead here. For um, now, for now, they're coming. That, that's actually one thing I wanted to touch on too. Was if you look at the top of the standings right now, just the people in their last ten games, like Metropolitan, the last ten. Washington six six four and zero, oh, 
Pittsburgh eight two and zero, Columbus eight one and one. Top of the Atlantic, Boston seven two and one, Tampa seven two and one, Florida eight and two, and it even carries over to the West. I mean, the Central's a little bit ugly right now, so I won't go on their last ten. But in the Pacific, Vancouver seven two and one, Edmonton seven one and two, Vegas four five and one, and then just in that first wild card spot, Calgary at six three and one in their last ten, like. The teams that need to perform right now are like th- this is where you make your push. It's not that final month. It's not the trade deadline. Like you have to put yourself in a good spot now before everybody's coming. And I think the good teams, like the ones I mentioned, are doing that. So I think people are just finally starting to secure their spots little by little. Well, look, don't. Sleep on a ranger six and four in the last ten. They're only, I think, nine points out of the last playoff spot. Got to jump six teams, so I think we can pull it off. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I'll just, I'll make this uh, kind of quick. But Rangers ranger. currently with a even goal differential, so I mean, you guys are on the upswing now. You got a couple games in hand too. Um, trust me, I am not. <laughs> you know, delusional thinking we have an actual shot here. Um, like I said, Rangers had a long break as well with bye week and the All Star break. They came back. They had a home and home back to back nights against the Red Wings. They won both games, and then last night they basically got run the fuck over by Dallas. Even though the score wasn't as lopsided as the planning I might have indicated. They played like shit in all three games outside of the first period on Friday night against Detroit. I mean, you had the long layoff. It's a combination of that. It's some young teams. You're playing a team like uh, Dallas. That's just one of the upper-class teams in the league. That's going to happen to you, especially when you're rebuilding. Uh, Hank got his first shutout on Saturday uh, this year. It's his first shutout since 2017, if you can believe it. Um, So well-earned there. The things I kind of wanted to talk, to talk about, um, Kreider got kneed in the back of the head by Mika Zibanejad on Saturday, uh, left the game, didn't return, didn't play last night, uh, might not play tomorrow against the Maple Leafs at the Garden. So the Rangers are saying it's not serious, that he's been skating and he could play tomorrow night. Um, but that was a re- really scary incident, not just for Kreider and, and you know his well-being, but getting a pretty big package in return and at the trade deadline there or how that might have impacted the Stanley Cup playoffs based on Kreider not being available to anybody. Um, so he should be back soon. Uh, one of the long-term issues here is the fact that David Quinn keeps putting out a lineup where six out of the 12 forwards can't fucking score. Uh, one of the forwards is the defenseman, Brendan Smith. Like, you're... They're... You're rebuilding. There's no reason why Brendan Smith should be getting regular shifts. There's no reason why Greg McKaig should be getting shifts at center and then you're sliding Brett Howden over to the wing. I know Brett Howden can't fucking score, but there's a reason why he's supposed to be a four-flying center. He does a lot of the little things well. If you're counting on him to develop a goal-scoring touch as a marker of success, then he's going to be set up to fail. But I don't think there's any reason why Greg McKaig should be getting shifts at center over him. Um, you have Jesper Faust in the top six. Lemieux, who I love, he's not a goal scorer. He's kind of floating between the second and third line, third line all the time. 
the entire range is fourth line for a while here is Greg McKegg, Brendan Smith, and Michael Haley. Like, that's not going to get it done. Uh, Kapokako can't score for shit the last couple months, and he seems to be coming around a little bit here and there, but, you know, 18-year-old, he can't score, and he beats himself up when he has a bad game. So you have six forwards that can't score, and you're trying to keep pace here. It's not going to work. Um, and the last thing I wanted to touch on is, you know, I think every coach, or maybe this just happens with the Rangers, Every coach has a blind spot when it comes to how he handles benchings and disciplinary actions uh, with the guys where he'll focus on one guy and penalize him for doing something that somebody else might be doing, but that person doesn't get penalized for whatever reason. With David Quinn, that's Pavel Buchnevich and Ryan Strom. And listen, I love what Strom's been doing since he came to the Rangers, but there's a reason why Edmonton's shifting him over to the wing. He's as smart as a fucking potato when it comes to playing center defense defensively. And it's been proven time and time again. He makes bad defensive reads. Uh, he takes really shitty offensive zone penalties at the most inopportune times. Doesn't get benched. Doesn't miss a shift. Stays in the top six. He stays centering Artemi Panarin. Basically, no, no repercussions to it. Buchnevich, he has two goals in the last two games. He takes, takes one kind of borderline penalty, gets benched for an entire third period. And then after the game, Quinton immediately says, I didn't like his game at all. He played like shit. I just don't get the uh, uh, misalignment of priorities here, where Ryan Schoem is an upcoming RFA. You might even trade him at the deadline. You know, like a lot of his points are assists and secondary assists. I know he's been playing well with Shom, uh, with uh, Panarin, so that's the reason why you might want to keep him. But if a team knocks you over with a trade offer, you got to deal him. So I don't know why they're protecting, protecting, why Quinn's protecting him and coming down hard on a guy like Buchnevich, who, even though he's been kind of snake bitten offensively, all of his advanced metrics, he's, a, he's an offensive driver on whatever line he's on. When it comes to shot selection, uh, possession time, everything. He's above average. So I don't quite get it. I'm not saying that Buchnevich also shouldn't be disciplined, but if you're going to discipline a guy for one thing, you got to do it across the board here. And it's starting to get to a point where everybody's noticing that. And I don't know if that's going to make a guy like Buchnevich very happy and want to stay around. Um, but other than that, they're playing Toronto tomorrow night on uh, Wednesday at the Garden. Frederick Anderson got hurt, so he's not going to be starting. Just some of the same old man, some of the consistencies with a rebuilding team, trade deadlines coming up, uh, probably going to be losing some more guys from the roster, so the rest of the season might be a little bit worse production-wise uh, in the standings for us. It's just, this deadline is the last time the Rangers should be retreating here. This summer, it's got to be all about moving forward and taking that step, because if a team like fucking Columbus can do it, and Carolina do it, can do it, and the Islanders can do it, there's no reason why we shouldn't be competing for a playoff spot next year. With that being said, I mean, you guys are obviously expecting a haul at the trade deadline with selling off some pieces, just to put you yeah. in a better place, right? Yeah, Kreider should get at least what Kevin Hayes got um, at the deadline last year, which was a young prospect or a, foe, or a roster player in a first-round pick. I know he's a free agent coming up, but I think Kreider is a better player and a better playoff player than Kevin Hayes will be. So 
if I'm looking at a trade, maybe send him to Edmonton, uh, put him on a wing with fucking Connor McDavid. That might look good. Uh, but but you have a guy like Strom who might be available. Uh, Jesper Foss, who's an upcoming free agent. I think he'll fit in on any playoff team and be trusted in any situation, which is always valuable. Uh, and I'm totally against this, but even a guy like Tony D'Angelo might be on a block because of uh, his next contract that he's going to get this summer. So a lot of moving pieces. Very interesting. We'll see how all this holds up. Uh, who is your Maybe game? Maybe we'll do a deadline preview next week or something for the Rangers and Bruins. That's actually funny because I had some notes in my uh, I had some notes in my thing of possible trade targets. So that that actually works out perfect. I can hold on to them for another week. All right. Yeah, we can do that. Um, well, you're asking me my picks of the week. Yeah, who you got? All right, I'll go game of the week first. Uh, Saturday night, hockey night in Canada, Toronto versus Montreal in Montreal. Two teams kind of competing to stay in that Atlantic Division bracket or a wild card position. Um, my lock, lock of the week is on Friday, Dallas and Minnesota, going with Dallas, obviously. Um, I was tempted to choose the uh, Dallas and I think it's St. Louis game on Sunday, Saturday or Sunday as my game of the week. Cause that one looked good too. There were a couple this week. It actually made it kind of difficult for me. Shocker. I picked two. Uh, Saturday, <laughs> both of them are Saturday. I have the New York Islanders at the Tampa Bay lightning Islanders kind of falling a little bit currently uh tampa is a very good team so that should be a really good test and then another one in that pacific division i have calgary at vancouver on saturday night so that should also be a pretty good one. Oh, and then uh, oh well i got my lock of the week too oh yeah your lock of the week and i got uh la at the islanders going with the islanders okay yeah i mean i appreciate you not choosing whoever is playing detroit you know, I'm just trying to think about giving back, and you'll probably be upset about this, but I, just, I was actually just looking, and uh, they showed who is in the lottery as of right now, and currently Ottawa is still in that lottery spot, and imagine if they get the first pick, so then they would have Lafreniere, Shabbat, and Kachuk. Oh, my God, that Detroit rebuild is not looking pretty. <laughs> But uh, 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 yeah, I didn't expect Detroit to have a near negative 100 goal differential this year. Obviously, uh, they're they're striving for new lows. <laughs> um, who do you have for shout outs? Um, so my shout out this week is actually more of a shout down, and Ooh. it is with the state of Massachusetts. Um, growing up. Uh, there was a very heinous murder to one of my classmates. We were in fourth grade. Uh, we played Little League together, Jeffrey Curley, where he was abducted by two guys, and they ended up taking a gas cloth, suffocating him to death, one of them then mutilating his body, raping him, and then they put him in a Tupperware box filled with lime and concrete and dumped him in a river. Uh, one of his murderers is actually up for parole this year because he got a different trial and he was convicted of second degree murder, not first, which makes him eligible for parole. Uh, 
And to me, I am sick to my stomach. This guy is just an absolute scum of the earth. Known pedophile. Just what he did and the fact that he could possibly be let free and go out and do it again. And A, having to live that nightmare being in fourth grade, knowing that someone that you go to school with is no longer there. Just that yeah. he he was a classmate right across the hall. No longer there. Played little league with him. No longer there. Uh, up and gone one day. But now to be a parent and have your own children, knowing that a sicko like this could come back out into the open world, in a sense, is it's horrifying. And to me, I mean, whoever does not know about the Jeff Curley case, I mean, you, you can go online and check it out. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I lived that nightmare. And yeah, your parents held you a little tighter because they couldn't even trust not you going to the park right down the street, but because of what happened. Like, it completely rocked our East Cambridge community. And to me, it's just, it hits way too close to home and... If God forbid this guy gets out, I mean, hell half no fury, man, because I, I know a lot of people would want to get their hands on him, and I don't think it would be pretty on any end. So th- that is my uh, shout down of the week. Well, I don't know how you I can follow that one up and try and turn that in my shout outs into a cheery occasion here. <laughs> Um, but you got to trust the legal system here. I know they make mistakes, but just because he's eligible for parole doesn't mean he'll actually ever get it. So hopefully they have some common sense up there. I do it. I fucking hope so. And then the other thing is that this shit bag while he was in actually legally tried changing his name. So if God forbid this time ever came up like now where parole would come up, oh, he's under a different name. So if someone looked it up, oh, well, that's not the guy who did this like oh absolute scum of the earth yeah well like i said i doubt he'll get out um because they'll probably feel for fear for his own safety even if they let him out so um just trust the process man just like 76ers fans would say trust the process yeah, trust the process like the canadians would <laughs> say um but for me uh quick shout outs first lady obviously as always way she's actually working New York Fashion Week this week, so very proud of her with that. Um, shout out to Alex Ovechkin, nearing 700 goals. I might even get there tonight. So that's... If, you're witnessing history, everybody. Like You're not going to see a guy hit 700 goals and again anytime soon. So enjoy it. Enjoy a guy like Ovi, uh, unless he's playing your team, obviously. And I want to give a quick shout out to this delusional Canadian fucking douchebag Justin Bieber, who's all over Instagram, posting videos of himself stick-handling through, like, foam cushions on on gym floor, thinking that this is going to help him beat Jordan Bennington in a shootout competition. All I want to happen here is, and I think Bennington already agreed to this, I want him to get on the ice and on a very first shot attempt, as he gets into the slot, out of nowhere, Ryan O'Reilly comes and just lays him the fuck out and then says, get off my fucking ice. 
Like, I don't know what Bieber's up to, man, but, like, I'll post this on our Instagram. I've seen 10-year-olds with better handles than this fucking dude. And he's not even on skates. He's on his, on his feet. So, shout out to uh, the delusional Justin Bieber. Um, hopefully, he gets his ass handed to him by bidding to him whenever this goes down. And that's my shout-outs for the week. One of the things on, did you see the video where he's stick handling and he loses it? And then yep. Brad Marshand goes on Instagram and says he stole my move. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what, that, you know, say what you want about Marshand. He talks shit about himself, too, which I always appreciate. Hey, you have to. You, you know, when you're making that much money, you got to smile and live live the righteous life, man. <laughs> but everybody, as always, thank you for listening. And we will be back to you next week with another jam-packed episode of 2, 5, and 10. And we will catch all of you guys then. Thank you and bye-bye. I took her out. It was a Friday night. I walk alone to get the feeling right. We started making out and she took off my pants. But then I turned on the TV. And that's about the time she walked away from me Nobody likes you when you're 23 And I saw more of these my TV shows What the hell is ADD? My friends say I should act my age What's my age again? What's my age again?